This is BC Worldwide, a podcast of overseas instruction and counseling. We report on the biblical counseling movement around the world. I'm your host, Andrew Rogers. Well, we're up to episode number three now on a three-part series of what is biblical counseling. And we have been uh, talking with Dr. Stuart Scott, John Street, and Bob Somerville, three men that God has used tremendously in my life. And so we continue the discussion on what is biblical counseling. Just briefly share how you got introduced to biblical counseling. Uh, it's something, you know, when, as working with ACBC, which we all have, and we uh, are fellows, and so we, you know, we do a lot of supervision of folks, and I don't know if you guys ask the question I often do is, is you know, how'd you get introduced to biblical counseling? I also ask the question, why in the world do you want to go through this process? Um, but, uh, but how did you get, Stuart, how did you get involved? Yeah, and I, I suppose you want the short version, right, <laughs> yeah. uh, with, with all of us. Yeah, I was uh, pastoring a small church in South Carolina. Uh, I just graduated seminary. I had one course in how to grow and change. Okay. Taught by a psychologist who said refer. Any problems, refer. Uh, you won't know Must what you're doing. Must have been a short doing. class. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, I was pastoring, and people started uh, calling, coming by the office with real problems, yeah. wanted real help. And I was using, a, at the time, a Rolodex, uh, all the names of uh, therapists and counselors in the area that I'd gotten from other pastors. Uh, they all had a fish logo on them, so they are apparently Christians, and I was referring them all out. That's what I was doing. And I thought I was being a good shepherd, because I didn't know, they did use disorder language at the time, and I, I don't know, I wasn't trained in that. So I'm referring out, but all the while on Sundays, when I would be uh, studying to preach and then preaching on Sundays, I would open up the scripture, and my faith began to really shake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm thinking, what good am I, what good is this? Mm-hmm. Because I'm looking in the faces of people when, who have real problems, and the answers apparently are out there, uh, trained by the world. Mm-hmm. So what good is, what am I doing all week? Studying the scripture is God's word only good for salvation, but it's not good for sanctification. It's good for to be saved, but the Christian life, if you have any problems, the world has the answers. Hmm. And I called a, a good friend of mine, a, a pastor who I worked with and for, Randy Patton, and he said, You need to come to some training. He said, I, I'm the same seminary, uh, not the same prof. Uh, in that one class, but he said, uh, come for a week of training at Faith Church in Lafayette. And this is back in uh, the mid-80s, 1980. And I went up there and I heard them talk about real people with real problems, with real answers. Mm. And they weren't going to psychology. They would say, you know, the disorders, they say this, but this is a real, this is a biblical view of man, mm. a real biblical view of man's problem and a real solution biblically that helps us become more like Christ. Yeah. That one week transforms my, I mean, I would have traded a third of my seminary for that one week. Mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, my faith just grew strong in that one week. I couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> I said, boy, the scripture is relevant for life and for godliness. Yeah. I just, it wasn't unpacked that way when I went through school. Mm. And that's how I, I went back and I started, all the people I was referring out, uh, I said, can I meet with you? 
And I said, I'm not gonna tell you to stop with the other until you see the superiority of, of what God has to say. And I was only after a week. Yeah. But I started meeting with the same people and I, I that was true shepherding and the private ministry of the word. And I was, it, it was a thrill that has not stopped. Mm-hmm. It, it, just to see the transformation, some needed to get saved was their issue. Yeah. And others, uh, they didn't realize that the Bible addresses their their issues from the heart out into behavior. And uh, that just transformed my ministry. And I just couldn't get enough, kept getting more training and kept passing it on. Wow, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's great. <clears throat> well, I went to a seminary that, uh, I went to that seminary because it had a reputation for teaching you to preach the word. Mm-hmm. And the famous saying that I got from seminary to boil it, seminary was to boil it down and say, uh, hold your finger on the text and preach the Word of God. Mm-hmm. But when we got to our counseling classes, which I had to take two, they said, um, refer and defer, you're not really trained as a counselor. Uh, we had to read um, five views of uh, secular psychology, and um, you're not trained, though, refer and defer. Mm-hmm. I didn't agree with that. I thought, uh, I don't believe that. The, the Word of God has the answers to all of life. Um, so my wife, I met my wife had married, she was actually a pastoral counseling major. So she took her uh, two-year program in uh, what they called then pastoral counseling. And again, in all of her Bible classes, which she had to take 96 hours, 45 hours were just straight theology and, and Bible classes. She said those were great. Then there was 45 hours of basically that's the, the, all of psychology and once in a while Eureka we found a verse that might support this <laughs> so when we're on our way to my first pastorate which was in Teaneck New Jersey in the car talking it this shows my brilliance at the time I said well now that you have a degree in pastoral counseling you need to go through the Bible and find out what does the Bible say about counseling and then write a book about what the Bible says about counseling course what good would the degree that she had help except for the 45 hours that were really in Bible yeah. that would help but when we get into the pastorate you meet real life mm-hmm. first guy I counsel is schizophrenic and he's got a PhD from Princeton but he is strange okay and then the second person is a young man in our church is in an asylum because he's been diagnosed with nervous breakdown and actually they wouldn't even let me go to counseling when he was in the asylum I don't know if they were afraid I would mess him up more, but uh, <laughs> they wouldn't let me see him while he was in. But when I'm trying to counsel him afterwards, it's like, I don't really know what to say. Then we hear that Jay Adams is going to be teaching at uh, Christian's uh, Asylum in, uh, uh, in North Jersey. And it's our day off, and I'm going to say, okay, well, are we going to go or not? I mean, he's, he teaches at Westminster, but how do we know? Maybe he's just going to teach psychobabble. That's what we got from the professors at the other seminary. And my wife, who's brilliant, says, look, you know, the, the asylum is up in uh, northern Jersey. It's really beautiful. We listen for an hour. If he doesn't give us the Bible, then we'll go to a deli, get a, have a picnic, and we'll have a great time. Because <laughs> it was my day off, and I didn't want to waste my day off with Psycho Bell. We got there, and about an, a half an hour into the first seminar, I leaned over to Mary and I said, you don't have to write that book. <laughs> this guy already wrote it. And I took Competent to Counsel home, and I literally devoured it. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember taking another pastor 
uh, about six months later to a weekend conference that Jay did. And on that weekend, he just taught Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 32. Mm. And he taught us how to listen, and he taught us how to, what the process of change was, and, and, and then all out of the context of Ephesians. That first of all, they, they need to be saved, and they need to understand what they are in Christ. And uh, that literally, that one weekend changed my uh, approach to ministry. And I got a letter from uh, Hank Griffiths, who's been a missionary all of his life, and he said to me, just this was just a year or two ago, Bob, do you remember that weekend you took me to? And uh, where Jay preached Ephesians chapter 4 and taught us. He said, that, that changed my ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of when you realize the Word of God. And it is. I mean, you spend the rest of your life mm-hmm. trying mm-hmm. to grow. You know, I said to Jay, well, I, I need you to counsel me more about, disciple me more. He said, well, come and take the Westminster DMIN program. I said, I don't want to take a demon. I made a decision in seminary. No more formal education. Mm. Okay. But he said, that's the only way I can disciple you with my time schedule. So mm. I went and took that program. And, and it was, again, more life-changing because mm-hmm. it's just in the word mm-hmm. and the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, when you meet Jesus face to face and then his word right. abiding in you changes your life. Yeah. But that's how I got into it was um, a wise wife who said, Let's go, uh, let's go hear him. And if he's not teaching the word, we'll have a nice afternoon and a picnic. But he was teaching it. We stayed the whole day yeah. and uh, uh, invited him to come to our church. And uh, um, again, we were just discussing yesterday a message he preached in the first weekend he came to our church. He taught First Peter chapter three, one to seven, on the uh, what what is that passage about in its context. And we were both remembering things from that message, which is now 50-some mm. years ago, wow. or 50 years ago. Yeah, That's great. And so, uh, okay. so that's how I got into it. Praise God. Mm. Wonderful. Well, uh, my experience is very similar yeah. to Stuart and Bob's. Uh, went through seminary, uh, the counseling courses. I think I had two of them as well. And they refer and defer was the whole thing. In fact, what I received in seminary was actually destructive to everything that I was supposed to be as a pastor. Mm. And so I went on as an associate pastor of a larger church um, after seminary. And the thing I wanted to do is I wanted to preach from the pulpit. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to preach the Word of God. And I still love that today. I still think that I'm a whole lot better public preacher than I am a counselor. Mm-hmm. I have to really work hard at being a counselor. Preaching's fun to me. Um, but counseling sometimes not fun because it's really a lot of hard work. And they talk back. Yeah, and they talk back. They <laughs> come across the table after you. Let me tell you. <laughs> they're not happy with what they're hearing. That's right. So I uh, went on staff, but the guy who was the senior pastor is a guy by the name of Larry Fetzer wonderful friend. He's in glory now. But Larry required everybody on staff to go get biblical counseling training. And it was in uh, over in Lafayette. And it was about a three-hour drive from where I was in Dayton, Ohio at that time. And so I can remember the first day, the, the, the course went for 12 weeks on Mondays. And it started at 9 o'clock in the morning. you know. And I the first day driving over there was a three-hour drive. So I had to get up real early in the morning, jump in the car, drive all the way over there. 
I'm grumbling, complaining, sinning all over the freeway. What am I doing going to this? There's probably <laughs> nobody more dangerous in the world than somebody straight out of seminary because he thinks he's got everything together. Yeah. All right. And that's the way I was. And I got to this class, sat in the back, slunched down with my Bible notebook, <laughs> listen to what these guys had to say. And that time it was Bill Good and Bob Smith and um, I, and I think Randy Patton had just begun at that time, early 1980s. Mm. And, um, and it was the old uh, church there that they were in, the old uh, Faith Baptist Church facility. And um, sat in the back, listened. And then in the afternoon, we were supposed to sit in on a counseling. So I was assigned to Bill Good. I didn't know Bill at the time. Later on, he became a really good friend. But um, Bill said, wow. He says um, to me and another pastor sitting in to observe his counseling, he says, I've got a couple coming in. They're driven out from out of state. I don't know really why they're coming. Mm. Um, apparently, they have a big problem. And so we're going to find out when they get here. So just follow my lead. Don't say anything unless you're called upon. I was more content to do that. <laughs> Sat there with my little notebook you know, and, said, and kind of think, okay, this is going to be interesting to observe. So this elderly couple came in. They were probably in their late 70s. Mm. He came in with a three-piece suit on, tie, and she had a beautiful dress on. And I could tell they didn't look us in the eye, and they sat down. And um, Bill had prayer with them. And after the prayer, he looked up and he said, I understand you've driven from out of state in order to come to this counseling session. Uh, why are you here? And they kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit. And finally the guy said, well, you know, I own a company, about 600 people, and um, I've been the chairman of the the board of my church for over two decades. Mm. Um, I'm well known in our community, but I was arrested in, in a public park for flashing people, all right, for flashing people. And I thought, what in the world? Maybe I grew up in a little town or something. Why would an old man go to a public park and flash people in the middle of winter, <laughs> all right, in the middle of winter? I'm going, what in the world? You know, so I'm sitting thinking to myself, I want to see how Bill Good deals with this thing. All right, this is going to be interesting. And you could tell that it's, this guy's wife was devastated. They were the pinnacle of respect in their community, and they went overnight from the pinnacle of respect to being rejects. I mean, his business suffered, his family suffered, his church suffered. Hmm. It was unbelievable, the repercussions of that sin. But um, I sat there and started listening to him, and I saw Bill, just short order, start to deal with that man's heart and what would do that and minister hope to that woman. And I remember sitting there thinking to myself, wow. In fact, I, I remember sitting there thinking, I, I, I love seminary. I loved Hebrew, Greek, everything. I used to teach Hebrew in a synagogue, all right? And so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, um, okay, how would you address this, John, if you had these people sitting in front of you? And I... The only thing I could come to was David dancing naked before God. And I didn't think that that was going to be helpful, not to this guy. All right? That's the only thing I could think of. And I actually went to the back of my Bible and started looking for the word flashing. All right? Just in case I had missed it. Well, it's not there. All right? And so I saw Bill start to address his heart and the motivations that would really cause that kind of behavior and ungodliness and give hope to that woman. And I, it dawned on me at that particular point, the seminary taught me how to dispense the Bible, not really minister the Bible, hmm. all right? It really taught me how to do that, how to dispense the Bible. And I didn't know really how to minister it. And that was the hook. That was really the hook 
that all of a sudden I started sitting up and listening to what's going on. And I saw real transformation in this guy's life and um, over the next several weeks. And, uh, but I remember that night, that night, driving home, um, and most of that three-hour trip, about two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour trip, um, you know, just confessing my sinfulness, my pride, and everything to the Lord. And I got home, and Janie, my wife, was in bed, and uh, she woke up, and I, I looked at her, and I, and I actually knelt by the bed and said to her, sweetheart, I'm a horrible husband, I'm a horrible father, and I'm a horrible pastor, mm. such a prideful person. And she looked at me, and she goes, whoa. I don't know what this class is doing, but I like it. <laughs> All right? Yeah. She said that. And I, I realized at this particular point that I really needed to learn how to use Scripture well to, to help people. And that was the hook that, that brought me in. Um, I had read, by the way, in my college days, I had read... Um, Jay's book that he published in 1971, Competent Counsel. Mm. I had read it and it was intriguing to me, but I didn't see it practiced anywhere. Mm. So I, mm -hmm. in the late 70s, I didn't see anything until I went to Lafayette. Then I saw a practice there mm. um, and put it into practice, and that's what put the meat on the bones for me. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think you can you can teach biblical counseling from a textbook. Yeah, it's watching it someone minister the Word of God. Uh, the same with me. I mean, watching yeah. someone do it, you're going, yes, yeah. I, I, this is what we're all called to do. Yeah. But you can't just teach it right. um, alone yeah. without the observation, the internship, the applied part. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really true. There's a, numerous passages. We've alluded to some of them that really, um, some of them just succinctly sum up you know what the ministry is and we um, I think Bob you alluded to this early on and uh, I thought this would be fitting to close with because Paul's writing to the church in Colossae and, and opens right with the superiority the perfection of who Christ is uh, the importance of image bearing you know, the, I mean he is the perfect image uh, therefore, his very life is perfect humanity. So if we're going to talk about human flourishing, yeah. then we need to talk about Jesus Christ because that would be the, the epitome of what it is to flourish as a human. Mm -hmm. um, thus, sanctification answers that. Uh, the gospel answers that. And so when you think about you know, Paul's very succinct statement at the end of Colossians 1, right? It is him we proclaim. Yeah. It is Christ we proclaim. Uh, that we may, for the intended purpose, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Because that's true, genuine human flourish. That is the best for humanity, be it, yeah. be it uh, affected by suffering, be it affected by their own sin and the issues in their own life. That is it. But then, <coughs> verse 29, and it is this I toil. You know, we work to the point of utter yeah. exhaustion. There is no better way to spend our days, spend our energy than for this mm -hmm. and then struggling but this is what I really enjoy because it's it's that wonderful cooperative effort yes I do it I do and I do it and I do it to the point of utter exhaustion yes however I do this with all the energy that he powerfully works within me 
And you just, boy, you look at that and say, that is a really well done, Paul. Good job. I know you had a lot of help in that, but good job. I mean, that is just a wonderfully succinct statement uh, just about what it means to be a minister of the word and the importance yeah. of biblical counseling yeah. within mm-hmm. the church. So thank you guys for your time. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. This is BC Worldwide, a podcast of overseas instruction and counseling. You can learn more about the biblical counseling movement around the world at bcworldwide.org. If you'd like to know more about the ministry of OIC, go to our website, discoveroic.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you'd like to receive regular updates on God's grace through biblical counseling, please sign up to be an OIC insider by clicking the pray button on our website. Lastly, will you consider giving? Giving to the efforts of OIC to train biblical counseling trainers around the world? If so, you can give electronically through our website by clicking the Give button. Well, I'll share with you more about God's grace next time at BC Worldwide.